Welcome to another episode of Pop Law. I'm your host, Desiree. And I'm Tyrone. And we are not, not your attorneys. attorneys. Today we have a very special guest, Miss Marcy Cleary. You know, you sound like you have your own like makeup or like perfume line. It just sounds very, you know, unique. Marcy Cleary. Yeah. Marcy is an attorney in the entertainment group at Frankfurt. Carnet, Klein, and Seltz PC, where she structures and negotiates entertainment transactions for individual and corporate clients in the film, television, digital, fashion, and book publishing industries. Her clients include actors, writers, directors, comedians, on-air personalities, fashion companies, and authors. Most recently, Marcy has developed a significant comedy practice and is emerging as a go-to lawyer for up-and-coming comedians in New York City. Before joining Frankfurt Carnet, Marcy was a corporate associate at Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton, and Garrison LLP. Marcy received her law degree from Yale Law School and a BA magna cum laude in Metropolitan Studies from NYU. Marcy is a member of the Yale Law School Association Executive Committee and the NYU Lawyer Alumni Mentoring Program Advisory Board and the Harlem School of the Arts Associate Board. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. You guys are amazing. I know. We're so happy to have you. You are our first, our first female guest. Just in time for Women's History Month. This is great. Great. I'm honored. I'm really honored. So the last thing that we sort of said about you in terms of your career and your practice is what we really want to focus on is the fact that you represent um, some, some comedians. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't really think about the business of comedy. You sort of just think that it happens. And also excuse any of the sirens because we are in the heart of Times Square. Um, so I'm just so sorry. Like, well, metropolitan. <laughs> right. Very <laughs> metropolitan. But there is a lot that happens to get the jokes to the stage and the comedians at these venues That's and these right. specials. And speaking of specials, I think everyone has dun, dun, dun. has weighed in on <laughs> giving their own personal opinion about how they feel about one comedian in particular. The legendary, the most declarated comedian of all time, Miss Monique. And how do you spell it? Is it M-O apostrophe? Yes. N-I-Q-U-E, yes. Yes. Her stage name is M-O apostrophe. Her government is M O N. I looked that up. Unique spelling is unique spelling as well. But yeah, I think everyone from Charlemagne and them to the Reed to probably like every other comedian, ABC, the View, everyone has weighed in at this point. And <laughs> oh God, I forgot the Queen's Court. Rest in peace, Queen's Court with Kaya and T S Madison. If anyone knows what I'm talking about. But that's where Monique tried to make a guest appearance. And that was the last episode of the Queen's Court after that. So anyway, That's another episode. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> but literally everyone, their mom has waved in, weighed in on this, including Monique and her husband. So we thought it would be 
totally appropriate, even though it sort of died down a little bit, to dive in a little bit deeper to sort of figure out what was she saying and why is it so important? And why did it become this like global conversation? I don't sure. know if they talk about it outside yeah, the US, sure. but I felt that it was everywhere to right. be quite honest. So yeah. well, well, first to get into that conversation, we're gonna have to give you a little bit of the background so we can have the facts laid out though. So in January, 2018, legendary comedian Monique called for viewers to boycott Netflix. Monique claimed that she was a victim of color bias and gender bias after they allegedly lowballed her for a stand-up special. Monique claims that Netflix offered her $500,000 for a stand-up comedy special while offering millions to Amy Schumer, a white comedian, Dave Chappelle, and Chris Rock, two black male comedians. So just before we get more into the facts, what do you think about the $500,000 offer for Monique's legendary status. I mean, again, don't give us too much because you may have deals with clients <laughs> yeah, in Netflix. Yeah. I was just about to say, so here's my disclaimer. <laughs> I don't represent Monique. I don't know Monique. I am a fan of Monique. Neither do we, and we are also fans. <laughs> I think she is a legend. Um, and I don't work for Netflix. I've never worked for Netflix, so I'm not involved at all. And so this is all my personal opinion. Um, but... $500,000 isn't just a number. It's how, it, this is how I feel like Monique took it. It's how she thought Netflix and possibly the world valued her. Yeah. And she values herself much higher than $500,000, right? Yeah. Right. I would be happy with $500,000 <laughs> to talk people. for an hour. But I'm not Monique, you know? Yeah. I haven't done what she's done. I'm not a queen of comedy, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting because from her perspective, right, from the client's perspective or from the person's getting the half a million, they're like, oh, okay, so I'm worth half a million. Chris is worth 40. Chappelle's worth 60. Amy's worth 13. Wanda Sykes is worth 250K, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what I think, that's how she was responding in the press. Right. And possibly to Netflix. Like, we don't know what happened in those negotiations. But I think that's what she's looking at. Yeah. And that's what a lot of clients would be looking at when they got an offer for money. Right? And I but, think that's important mm -hmm. that you bring that up. It, it almost came off as, like, her worth and her value. And not just for that particular special, but she brought so much of her industry experience that's with right. her. That it, it, she couldn't help but think, so you don't care about all uh -huh. of these things that I did. She felt devalued. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what's interesting about it is normally how these works is a negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. So I think usually you respond with, I would like to see 40 million if that's what she's looking for. <laughs> yes. You know, even though she's not, and she said, I shouldn't, I don't necessarily need to be getting Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle money, yeah. but I'd like a 13 million to match Amy Schumer. So, you know, that's probably how, you know, the reason why you don't hear about negotiations all the time and they don't make it to the press is because this is happening behind the scenes. Exactly. Right. So somebody's going to respond and say, let's talk about 14 million. Right? Absolutely. So, um, Monique, after her call to protest, comedian Wanda Sykes tweeted, Mo World, thank you for speaking out. Netflix offered me half of your 500K, as Marcy said, and she was offended, and she said she found another home at Epics. So um, 
Monique replied to her and said, but how is it when it comes to these two black female comedians that are still at the top of their game after 50 plus years being in the business, being offered $750,000 collectively, make that make sense. <laughs> right. And then, you know, this she wants receipts. She receipts. Wants receipts. And I, I can agree. I mean, and she, I think what she realized after just even those few tweets is that she needed to give even more context because mm-hmm. people still weren't believing her. Um, she couldn't just sort of make these comments without giving some more context. Right. So she went on Instagram and she made a video in which she said, when we asked Netflix to explain the difference, beloveds, she didn't say that. They said, well, that's what we believe Monique will bring, she said. Mm. We said, what about my resume? Mm-hmm. They said, we don't go off of resume. <laughs> which, oh, okay, girl. <laughs> then we asked them, what was it about Amy Schumer? And they said, well, she sold out Madison Square Garden twice. And mm-hmm. she had a big movie over the summer. Mm, okay. Is what that- movie was that? <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> That's the- Can anyone even remember the name of that said movie? That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> I played the fifth. <laughs> um, and then it's like, is that not Amy Schumer's resume? Which exactly what she was just saying. She's like, that's her resume. Her resume. That's what she's bringing. Um, and then she said, why shouldn't I get what the legends are getting? Because mm. she believes that she is a legend too. Mm-hmm. So Netflix responded in a statement after she posted this video. And they said, Netflix does not comment on contract negotiation <laughs> as all good PR departments would tell a company to do. Well, that's the truth, though. They don't comment. <laughs> you know, we could call them today. They're not going to comment. Right. Exactly. Because then that opens up all of their negotiations mm-hmm. to, exactly. to press. And it's just like, we're, we're not in the business of doing that. So you understand why they did what they did. And you also understood why she did what she did. So if you were representing Monique or any of your comedian comments, would you advise them to make these public statements as Monique did? Or would you just do it behind the scenes? I think this, if you're a good attorney for creative folks, there's three things that you do and that the and that the client should expect. You have to know your client, mm-hmm. right? So know how they value themselves, what's important to them. Sometimes it's the money, sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes they care about credit or mm-hmm. placement or what day of the week or what year their things release, right? They don't care about money. Sometimes it's the money, sometimes it's everything, right? So they have to know you. Two, they have to know the industry, right? And what's customary, right? So, and what's market. So they're going to know half a million versus 14 million, the different terms. We'll talk about it in the contract. Are they Mm -hmm. um, standard or not? And then know the counterparts, right? So know a Netflix and know what they're going to be looking at and what's customary for them and what's not customary for them, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, putting all those three things together, and we'll pretend Monique's my client, right, in this situation, I'm going to know her, and I'm going to know she's an Academy Award winning uh, actress, right? How many, for uh, Best Actress, too, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, we're not talking about supporting actress, right? right? Best Actress. So I'm going to know that. I'm going to know Monique sees herself as that person. Yeah. I'm going to know she's having, um, she's had some public disputes with other people in the industry. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so you're going to factor that in and maybe reputation earned or not earned, right? But as her lawyer, I would know what's earned and what isn't earned, right? Um, so I'm going to look at that, right? 
And also the fact that I sincerely think Monique cares about black women, right? Yeah, and women absolutely. in general. Absolutely. You know, because one thing she keeps saying is, it's not just about me. It's about Tiffany Haddish, right? And it's about um, Yamanika Saunders. And it's about, um, you know, all these, you know, the two dope queens, right? Yeah. She's like, this is about all of us. So I'm going to know that she cares about that. But then I'm going to know Netflix, right? Netflix um, may or may not understand black audiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an example of that is Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us were too shocked when, it, you know, everybody and their mama was dressed up to go in there, you know? <laughs> Hollywood was shot, you know? Yeah. They were like, whoa, you know? They were surprised at the force with which, you know, it came through, right? So I'm going to know that places like Netflix, right, won't really understand, you know, necessarily why Monique values herself at an Amy Schumer level. Yeah. Right? Um, and then about opportunity. That's great. Amy opened up, you know, and sold out Madison Garden twice. I don't know what black female comedians are given those opportunities. Absolutely. Right? Because they don't think that they'll sell tickets. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm factoring that in, too. Right. So then I think I would counter right to Netflix um, with whatever Monique wants. If she wants 14 million, we're going to go try to get that 14 million. Right. Because you want an attorney who's going to go out there and get what's the best you can get. Right. Yes. And so we're going to ask for that. Now, okay, I still hadn't answered your question about would I go public? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like maybe maybe they did do this. No. You think that happened? At if all? I wanted to, to have a deal with Netflix, I would advise her not to go public. If I wanted to continue doing business with Netflix, because you're kind of embarrassing them, right? Yeah. And I'm saying kind of you were a lot embarrassing them yeah. potentially, right? Um, or putting a bad taste in their mouth, you know, even if it's not. But if she's like, that offer insulted me so much that I don't want to work with Netflix at all, yeah. then, you know, First Amendment. But know that you're burning a, a bridge. Right. But she may be like, I don't need that bridge. And just know, she did say on the Breakfast Club interview that um, Netflix said this offer was non-negotiable. So okay. people are saying, like, why didn't you negotiate? And she said, they said it was non-negotiable. I don't want to percent know if that's true. Right. That was we something that she said. True. But, I mean, that was out there. This is Hollywood. Everything's negotiable. I, I agree. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've and, had a lot of people tell me that's my final offer and it was like, not their final absolutely. offer. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I think, too, what we also have to keep in the back of our heads is that Netflix is this giant of a company now. And so they don't necessarily pay attention to all of their negotiations because they have multiple deals going on at the same time all the time. So I think to them when they initially did the offer to Monique, they may not have thought that it was going to be that big of a deal. They thought it was going to be like right. any other one. Because they right, have that so she would many. take it. Right. Exactly. They sort of thought that, you know what, people are just happy to work with us. Right. So why would this be any different? Like You know, a good example of that, sorry to cut you off, is um, Tiffany Haddish. Because yeah. Tiffany said, I actually saw my deal before you brought this up, Monique. And it wasn't, a, I don't even think she got half a million the way she suggested. You know, she said, right. I didn't get legend money. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I was happy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just... Everyone should sort of keep in the back of their mind that Netflix is a corporation that does not care. And so I think that is sort of why Monique 
had to, well, she felt she had to do what she did going public because she was just like, they do, they have so much original content coming down the pipeline that like, if I don't raise this, no mm-hmm. one else will. Right. She's like, y'all need to care. Right. She's like, I, she's like I guess she's like, you know, I don't want to work with you for this amount of money. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why she sort of just like you said, like, I don't need this bread necessarily yeah. because there are other avenues. There are other content creators that are willing to work with me who sort of know right. my value. But we also need to get a little bit more of the facts so we can talk more specifically about stuff that she, I think, brought up in the Breakfast Club interview. Okay. So after uh, Monique told her side of things, reports circulated that she had actually been offered $3 million as part of a deal in which she will be required to do a live audition for Netflix executives. The story is also said to have originated with the internet personality uh, Juan Murray. Monique addressed Murray directly in an Instagram post and posted the actual contract from the Netflix deal. The contract mentions the offer of five hundred thousand, not the three million that the internet personality said. And some people said it had questionable terms. So the alleged questionable terms would have left Monique. A guest struggling for about two years after the special if she accepted them. According to the terms presented in the contract um, Netflix offered Monique, Netflix will own the copyright of the program and control all exhibition rights, and it will also own all audio rights. And then furthermore, for 12 months after the special premiered, Monique would not be allowed to tape or negotiate another comedy special with anyone else. When that 12 months was up, Netflix would have dibs on her next comedy special, and she would be able to do one with someone else, for example, HBO, only if Netflix passed first. So just even stopping right there, Mm -hmm. this sounds like way more than what we thought in terms of just being about the Mm 500,000. They really wanted her to, if like this was going to be successful, Mm -hmm. they were sort of like, oh, but like, if this is successful, like, we want this to be contained in our universe. Mm-hmm. Like, we want it, you, if you want to do next another special, we want you to come through us. Right. Which is, like, I think even just adding that one little special thing on there, that was enough cause for her to be well, like, Well, it gets second. worse because <laughs> for 24 months after the special premiere, Monique would not be able to crack any of the jokes she did in the Netflix special anywhere else. And when the 24 months were up, Netflix would have first dibs on those jokes, too. So essentially, this was not a contract for one show. Rather, Netflix would have owned her broadcast rights for up to two or more years. So let's start talking Mm -hmm. about the terms of the contract. I think some of them are standard, but we'll let you talk about this for the expertise so i think what's surprising is it's all very standard yes right (laughs) and you negotiate the time lengths right yeah but i'm gonna tell you what netflix is trying to do one on the um recording the material again i mean that's makes sense to me right if Mm -hmm. they're out there trying to promote and get people to watch a special that has an hour of her fresh material right because i i also assume that when they when they had the when they would go to contract form it would say you can't perform material that you performed otherwhere else Mm -hmm. because they want this to be exclusive place where you come see this particular special right right and while it's on the air 
and you're they're still trying to get people to come watch it they don't want people to be able to go to hbo or yeah. um i almost said ups <laughs> i mean what was that upn i almost said upn um y'all remember that that's where I, the show with brent was it because she UP, have a show it was UPN, UPN. Then but did she have a show on upn she did it um the parkers, the parkers. Yeah. yeah with right. oh, i don't God. know why i just brought that up <laughs> But they don't want you to be able to go on UPN. Right. <laughs> I'm Asian myself. Or the, the comedy club, really, to yeah. see it, right? Yeah. That's what they pay a half a million dollars for or more, hopefully, right? Um, so, you know, that actually goes back to the money. It's the full package, exactly. right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, so her package wasn't big enough for her to greet all that. That's what she's saying. And that's what yeah. other people are saying. But people agree to that for a lot less because it's so standard because they're basically taking that material off the market because we're exploiting it right now. Yeah. Yeah. But does that make sense? It does. And I agree with that. And so I was explaining this to a friend. So we went to see um, the Chris Rock Total Blackout Uh Tour. And, you know, of course, with those big comedy specials, you can't take your phones. And we also saw Dave Chappelle at Radio City Music Hall. So when their Netflix specials came out, we were watching it. Then we're like, it's the same. We know these jokes. Mm-hmm. And even with Marlon Wayne's mm-hmm. new comedy special that came out on Netflix, a lot of the mm-hmm. jokes I had heard, but the vast majority didn't hear those jokes because they, they didn't, didn't go, go to, to those show. shows and it wasn't publicized. And this yeah. could have been before the Netflix deal resigned or Netflix still wanted the material. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to explain that. What comics do is they go on tour to prep for the special. Yeah. So those are rehearsals, okay. right? And so, you know who's the king of that? Kevin Hart. Yeah. Whenever Kevin Hart goes on tour, it's because he has a special coming out. Okay. And each show is better than the next because he's testing the audience to see what people like and what they laugh at and what they don't, yeah. right? Okay. So. He'll start in Charleston, South Carolina in a theater. He might even start actually like at Gotham Comedy Club here, a very small audience to see what works. Then he goes to Charleston, see what works there. Then he goes to Madison, Wisconsin, which is a totally different audience, to see what jokes are they laughing at. Because ideally, you have everybody across the country laughing. So it's really like rehearsals when Mm -hmm. they're going on tour. Um, so that a lot of times they don't mind. I actually looked in the Netflix. I think they signed the deals with Chris Rock and Chappelle. I think Chappelle was already going on tour. Yeah. Chris Rock was about to. So mm-hmm. they were like, cool, because you can practice the material and they will record one of those shows. Right. So that happens a lot. It's really the after. So mm-hmm. you saw in the offer that they gave her, it didn't talk about before, right. you know, mm-hmm. like, but it's about the afterwards. Yeah. And so they don't want competition, basically. Um, that's on the material. The other thing is th- they had on there is that she couldn't tape or negotiate for another special while she was with them. Um, the being able to negotiate for another special, I as her attorney, I would have struck that right. Yeah. But not taping for another year. Like basically, they don't want to be like, okay, so this is only good for a year because you have a new special right. going to yeah. be on for another <laughs> they year. Dilute the that brain. makes sense, right? To me. And then the right of first negotiation, y'all remember HBO was the place you went for comedy. Yep. Chris Rock had yeah. a deal with them. They were locked with Chris Rock. It's almost like the boxers. The yep. HBO was the place for them. So Netflix is trying to be that new place for comedy. Yeah. Right? And like they don't want you, like Netflix is your home, Comedy Central's your home, yeah. True TV's your home, and HBO's your home. No, you know? 
they're not paying you half Absolutely. a million for that. And I think for me, that goes back to the money. If you're paid 13 right. million like Amy Schumer, right. 40 million like Chris, you gonna you come can, up with some new jokes. Well, <laughs> you, you'll come up with the new jokes and you have that time to take off. That's but true. for me, $500,000 is not a lot of money. I can't sit out well, of work for two for years. You, for half a million dollars is a lot that's of money. For me. But, but if I was right. Monique. <laughs> right. That then I understand. We right. see you haven't heard from Amy. We saw she went and got married and she's just right. living her life. Because right. she can do that with $13 million. Now can Monique with no. 500000 no, Not necessarily. No. So again, it still comes back to the money. But I do but agree But let me you. do the um, um, other side though, right? right? Oh, gosh. It's like because I, I, I because they're gonna say, which they I think we heard Charlemagne say as well, Monique, you ain't been on TV or mm, yeah. in the movies. Amy has, right? She's hosting SNL, you yeah. know. Um, and so Netflix only valued her at half a million. And I'm actually so I'm gonna talk about something. I'm take this is the next question is does race and gender have to do? Because I'm bringing up yeah. the value. That's where I think, you know, because she's saying it's a Monique is saying it's a race issue. It's a gender th issue. It's even yeah. an age issue because she's 50 years old. Um, on, just to impact the race is, well, Dave Chappelle and Chris got um, 20 million each for each special that they did. Mm -hmm. Chris Rock got it first. And when Chris Rock got it, it was he was making more than any other comedian has for a special. And that's a brother. Yeah. And it was his first special in 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. So he hadn't been doing a special for 10 years. Right. So now you hear right. Monique saying, yeah. right, sister, oh, beloved. <laughs> right. So he hadn't been around for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Right. But they saw him as such a, a legend, legend that they offer that. However, there was a bidding war going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So HBO wanted Chris Rock back because that's where his show's been. So he probably got a lot more because of that, because mm -hmm. people wanted to that pay for sense. it. So he broke the ceiling, really, with the 20 million. He did two specials. So it's 20 million each. And he's a brother. Right? right. And he's the first one who's ever gotten this. And then Dave Chappelle wrote those coattails, it seems. Maybe not, but. Because his deal came after, and he was like, I want the same thing as Chris. Is my guess. That's how yeah. I'm imagining it. Um, and then that's when Amy got mad as a woman <laughs> because Amy had closed her deal at 11, then heard about Chris and Chappelle. And was like, uh-uh, wait a minute. You know, right. that could be race too, but mm -hmm. it's also gender where she's like, oh, okay, a woman comedian can't get any money. So she got an extra two. That's how but, she ended up was with Was that 13. publicized? Was that like? How how did we come to find out that information? What? How did Amy find out? Or how do we? How do we out? find out about Amy getting extra money? Amy told us. Amy told. Got it on yeah. Instagram because yep. she was mad. <laughs> yep, <laughs> like Monique was. You know, she said, uh, "I closed at eleven until I heard that these two gentlemen." Got forty, and so I said, "I'm gonna need a little bit more." And yeah, so she okay. got too much. She negotiated. Behind mm -hmm. the scenes, yeah, because we didn't hear about it till after she got that extra two, you mm, know. Okay, that's mm -hmm. a different approach. Um, okay, so then the race and the gender for me, I think the race and the gender there's implicit biases that we all have, right? And that people in power and especially majority culture has that they may not even be aware of, yes, right? That could inform that offer, and that's where I think the race and the gender and maybe age discrimination maybe came in. I, you mm -hmm. know, we can't say for sure because it's all about 
marketing and making money. I agree. So according to the Economic Policy Institute, black women are uniquely positioned to be subject Mm -hmm. to both a racial pay gap and gender pay gap. In fact, on average, black women workers are paid only 63 cents on the dollar relative to white non-Hispanic men, even after having um, the controlling for education, years of experience and location, whereas white women make 76 cents to the dollar paid to white men. And black women must work eight months extra to earn the same amount that a white man earns in mm-hmm. one year. Mm-hmm. So I think that goes back to the race and gender that you were mm-hmm. saying. And it and that's happens in on all industry. levels. Yep. Exactly. So you have to actively counter that. And when I say you... I mean, the majority, whether that be white women or white men. That's right. So that's why I think a good example of this is um, Jessica Chastain. Yeah. Um, She's been in a a lot of movies recently, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But she has a new movie coming up with Octavia Spencer is going to be in it. And when she found out that Octavia was not going to be making as much money as her, she went to whoever was in charge of the budget for the film and she was like, listen, I ain't going to do this film. Well, we got to get into the facts of this because we can't act like she was just a savior. She She, was not. She she started with them talking about women in general making far less than, um, you know, men in the industry. And Octavia essentially called her out, was like, we can't talk about that. And black women are paid substantially less than white women too. So we have to have the full conversation if we're going to have it. And once they had the conversation, Jessica was like, I'm going to do, tie my salary to yours and we're going to get you paid for this film. Which was huge. Huge, huge. And they end up making five times more than they were initially offered. So you do need those allies to oh, kind yeah. of help you out because we can't just fight by ourselves. You know, they have to step right. up and say something too. Yeah, that's. I don't want to make it seem like it has to be like a savior thing, but mm-hmm. at a certain point, the people who do have the power... Her pocketbook was saved. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At a certain, the pe- certain point, the people who do have the money that's or right. who do have the power to promote or give you position in an industry where they are right. majority... You're going to have to, you're you're gonna gonna have have to, to adjust. Marcy, <laughs> I just want to say you um, are a little comedian over here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. She picked up a few things from For, her clients. Right. <laughs> um, one thing I find that's interesting that could help shift this narrative and, you know, women in general getting paid more and people of color being brought in as inclusion writers. So have you been hearing about those lately? I first heard about it. What was the Oscars? Uh Frances McDermott. She won for Best Actress for Three Billboards and Bumble Whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Missouri. Ain't nobody watched the movie. Go see Three Billboards. I heard it's great. Don't listen to me. Just go see it. But she talked she talked about the Oscars, like you said, Desiree. And everyone was like, What is that? Right, she dropped the mic. She said inclusion writer. (laughs) Inclusion writer. So an inclusion writer is a stipulation that (laughs) actors and actresses can ask or demand to have inserted into their contracts, uh, which will require a certain level of diversity among a film's cast and crew and I know Michael B. Jordan is including this as well and so hopefully um, you know Hollywood and the comedy world will move in the right direction with well, inclusion writer. Well let's talk writer. about inclusion writer. Okay. It's a new thing. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest when she dropped the mic on her inclusion writer I was like have people been asking for this and I didn't <laughs> know about it? Did you guys think it like the way she said it like oh it's a thing that 
you Man, know, everybody been asking for it because I, I don't was think like, when uh, she said it, <laughs> even just the way she presented it. She was just like, I just learned about this last week. And I was just like, hold the phone, sis. <laughs> so you just learned about it. Right. Everybody's good. Who else at your level do you think is using this? So that's no, why, like This is right. at such a low level if this is happening <laughs> at all. I misunderstood. <laughs> I was kind of like, wait a minute. I'm like, wait, I've been doing this for eight years. And yeah. I was like, I'm not asking for the inclusion rider. I'm thinking everybody been asking for the inclusion rider. <laughs> that is incorrect. It's a new thing. Because I asked my colleagues. I seriously did. The same class. I was like, y'all been asking for an I'm pretty sure all attorneys across the United States turned to their, yeah. went to the water cooler, and they're right. just like, so Bob, right. you know what I think about this? Right. I did, had right. no so idea. Like, I started Nobody's seen a copy of this. Right. Yeah. I started Googling, like, right. what is an inclusion writer? Okay. so it, but, it is a fairly new concept fairly, yeah. that grew out of um, a graduate student a couple of years ago mm-hmm. who was sort of doing research on how to make the movie and television industry more inclusive and I think this was the culmination of his or her project and I think from that there was what whoever was connected to that they sort of were like okay well let's start using it Mm -hmm. maybe it grew out of that but this wasn't something that some industry executive veteran was just like (laughs) no 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 put this inclusion writer in there for Jada Pinkett Smith no 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 they're not clients you're not you're not missing out anything just yet (laughs) we'll start asking for but um, I think it's a cool idea if the right people are using them, right? Yeah. So you said Michael B. Jordan signing on to do it. That's great, right? And, you know, we want Will Smith, right, to include right. it, who's, you know, bringing a lot of attention. But really, we want the Brad Pitts to have Absolutely. it in there exactly. and Angelina Jolie's, right? Because they're the ones who can really demand it and get it because they bring so much to the table, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they have that bargaining power. And really, I think another thing to focus on, because I've heard people say, oh, that'll never work. And the reason why they say it doesn't work is because they said there's nobody to choose from, right? Yeah. You hear that a lot of yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Yeah, like, you know, we'd hire more black folks or people of color or women if they existed, right? That's what they say. But really, I think the inclusion writer is also about the below the line. Below yes. the line is the, your cameraman. Behind the scenes people. Your behind the scenes people. Your makeup artists, mm-hmm. right? The hairdressers. Your PAs. That's right. Production assistants. And so those, that's about training. That's an entry level job. Yes. So we can find people of color and women and other minorities who can do those jobs. And then as they get trained, then they can eventually become directors, right? right. And cinematographers. Lisa Ray on Insecure, I think she does a really good job with this. From what I understand, it's mm-hmm. that like almost all the PAs mm-hmm. are of color, mm-hmm. people of color. Um, Ava a, DuVernay is yeah. very great about it too. Absolutely. Like on uh, Queen Sugar. All the directors are women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. And so that means she's, I mean, there's not, uh, I don't even want to, I was about to say there's not that many female directors. That's a myth. Okay. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the perception. But she is looking at places like non-traditional places to find these directors. Like Debbie Allen, you know, she's turned into a director. She was a dancer, right? So it's like, don't tell me what black women can or cannot do, right? Because she's started as a dancer. She's directed. And Carrie Washington is learning how to direct, right? Um, So, and Shonda's the force behind that, right? Of making sure these people have opportunities. Um, I think another thing that I just learned about recently and will probably become much bigger in the year to come is. 
Um, I think everyone remembers the hashtag Oscar so white. Mm -hmm. uh, so the creator of that hashtag, I think her name is April Rain. Yeah. She is now working on a new project that I think is launching within the next month. Um, but she announced it to coincide with the Oscars week. And it is basically a directory of mm. minority everything. It's like writers, right. directors, producers, mm -hmm. PAs. And it's, um, you. I think you sort of, um, almost like a Google Doc type of yeah, situation sure. where you just put your content information right. in, your projects you've worked on in the past, the things that yeah, you've done. Did they and come up with a name for it yet? I yes, there, there's a name for it. And I wish I had off the top of my okay. head, mm -hmm. but... Um, Search Stay Oscars. tuned and yeah, Google. Yes. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I'll probably cool. put in the um, information box for this episode. But I was just thinking, I was like, yes, that is exactly what we've been referencing. People are like, well, where do we find the right. talent? Here's how a book. We, yeah. how, do we, how do we get more LGBT? How do we get more women? Right. How do we get more you know, black people? You, you know, everybody in Hollywood is talking about this. And you know what you have to do? You have to look outside of um, NYU Tisch, Yale, mm. um, Drama yeah. School. And UCLA, right? Right. You're going to have to go to Howard, and you're going to have to go to Hampton. Or Hampton. Hampton. <laughs> Chapel Hill. You're going to have to go to Spelman yeah. Yeah. and Morehouse, and you're going to have to go to University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fam where you. we, uh, I fam you. I mean, where we are. Exactly. You know? Um, but and you're to train them, and so a lot of people are going to colleges. Like I've seen different Hollywood initiatives where they're doing career fairs now at colleges, mm -hmm. where they can reach people and 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 teach them about these opportunities and what to do. Because everybody can't go work in a mailroom at an agency and get paid two dollars an hour. <laughs> oh my god, right. you know? that is not the life to be living. Mm -hmm. And also <laughs> with all of, especially with the times up and the thing that's going on with um, Terry Crews. Um, We've come to learn, even though we saw sort of known it, like, ha, 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 casting couch, whatever, mm -hmm. like, working in agencies can be a toxic place. So, like, that may not even right. be the place people want to start their career necessarily because it's so much about personality yeah. and trying to please people and not necessarily even do the best job. So, like, even in that, that's a space that definitely has to change and how... Like, if we didn't have white males dominating the agency industry, that culture would never have developed. Mm, that's right. Like, you have to yeah, diversify right. in that space as well. And they're working on it. I'll tell you, like, CAA has an incredible initiative. Um, like, they, I mean, they were coming under he. It's not like they volunteered to <laughs> right. do it. Right? <laughs> WME, too. But, like, the big agencies are really starting to take the lead. Like, CAA is the main force behind Time's Up, and they're promoting their women agents. Um, and they actually have this program, I participated in twice, called, um, it used to be called Up Next, uh, CAA's Up Next, and now it's called Amplify, where they bring mm -hmm. out the next generation um, of multicultural executives in Hollywood. And it's really just you meet each other and you meet people in the industry, but it's really about creating a peer group mm -hmm. amongst nice. us. So, like, I know black managers now, black agents um, black publicists, right? So when creatives come to me, I can refer them if they prefer, right? right. To um, black reps, um, so they're working on it. But it's you know it's cool that they're all seeing that this is a something that needs to change. And look, Black Panther made a lot of money for a, a lot, lot of, of people, I mean, and that it helps just, a lot. Just hit a billion dollars in twenty six days. Marcy yeah. said earlier, "This is the year of the black. We coming." <laughs> <laughs> but can we, just to quickly wrap up this whole conversation, okay. what would be your final piece of advice, not that you represent her, to Monique in terms of next step? Because I don't.
don't think there's anything much that can be said anymore, but maybe going into her next yeah, little yeah. negotiation. I think, like, I, I'm going to finish how it started, which is you want to get everything that you could have gotten, right? And so for you as a creative person, you know, know what's important to you, you know, know what how you value yourselves and then mm-hmm. consult with folks who know, right. you know, how other people may may value you. Yeah, and maybe not just your husband. <laughs> I think having the diversity of opinions helps get a better Diversity opinions always yeah. helps, always helps, right? Especially for business decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And really, you want to get an attorney who could get everything you could have gotten. So if that's forty to sixty million dollars, if that's half a million, if yeah. that's two fifty, you don't want to leave a penny on the table. That's yeah. what I always try to do. I'm not leaving a penny on the table. Um, okay. But also, the and it made sense, you know. And and really, you know, the best deal makers, you want everybody to leave feeling like they won, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because yes. then y'all going to work together very well. Netflix feel like they have a great deal. They didn't overpay, um, they, but they're going to get what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the client the, or creative person feeling like they've been heard, you know, that their voice will matter in this process mm-hmm. um, and that they're being valued financially. Like that's how you want to leave a deal. Right? Exactly. I totally agree. I think for any type of negotiation courses or simulations that I've gone through, the ones that turned out the best is when we truly looked at it as how do we both get what we mm-hmm. want out of this without trying to like screw the other mm-hmm. one over. Yeah. Cause that's like that's never gonna get like the even if the one side gets what they want in the moment, it hurts your relationship going forward to where if you could have made more money on another deal going forward, you're like, oh, well, I got screwed over last time. Mm, like, right. oh, there's always going to be that one party that doesn't feel good. And yeah, just be like, you don't want to leave yeah. it with somebody that doesn't feel good. You want everybody to leave happy because it's the beginning of a marriage, a creative marriage. All right. So, Miss Marcy, please tell the listeners your social media handles and how to get in contact with you. Sure. So I'm at Frankfurt Kern at Klein and Sells is my law firm. Um, Marcy. Oh, you know, it's important to be able to spell my name correctly. <laughs> yes. Because then we you will be able that. to find me. Marcy is M-A-R-C-I-E. <laughs> and Cleary is C-L-E-A-R-Y. And that's my social media handles is at Marcy Cleary. And there you can find her like... Um, perfume line <laughs> that she'll be launching. I hope you don't want year. a cut of this. <laughs> like it sounds fancy. Well, thank you so much thank for you. coming Thanks on. For this is super and fun. Being our first female guest yeah. and during Women's History Month, and I'm so happy to have you. And you know, all these comedians out here, make sure you hit up Marcy because she is wonderful. Thank She's the plug. Thank you guys. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by theculturesupplier.com. Looking for ways to boost your business using the latest technology? Find the resources you need when you log on daily to theculturesupplier.com to have your culture supplied.